go to the Gospel of Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 today is our text. Our goal this entire year and our theme for this year is just simply the phrase, fully devoted. We love to talk about devotion in our marriages and in our careers and our academics, and that's all beneficial and good, and certainly we should do those things, but we should equally, if not more importantly, become fully devoted in our followership of Jesus Christ. Because the reality is every one of us still have some ground to gain. Every one of us still has some growing to do. I'm growing every day, and we're going to find out in the next few months that for me to grow, I've got to have the Word of God, and I've got to have the people of God. You cannot grow as a disciple by yourself in your closet praying. Because part of discipleship requires human engagement with people that you might not like that well. Yeah, that's called the family holidays, right? You guys survived them. Psalm 119, I love this text. Listen close, just listen close. It says, I seek you with my heart. No, it says, with all my heart. Every part of me seeks after him. It says, do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not what? That I might not what? That I might not what? Sin. sin against who? Against God. Now, hear me today. Sin is a word that we often associate with specific deeds, and we certainly have a right to do so. But sin is simply missing the mark of God. It's missing the goal that God has for you. If you could envision a bullseye today, just kind of a, get that in your mind's eye real fast. And the bullseye, the center is the mark. This is God's plan. Anytime our life hits outside of God's plan, that in essence and by definition is sin. And we may think about sin as specific deeds or attitudes and actions, certainly, but the truth is sin is simply missing the goal that God has for your life. And it is the heart of God that each one of us draw closer to God every day in this journey. Duplicity is I want God and I want the world too. I want abs and I want tacos. They just don't go together. We have a tension built within us that we want the things of God by nature and the spirit, and we want the things of this world by the nature and the flesh, and therefore we live in this constant tension every day, and that's why you have to have the word of God deep in your heart, and you have to live a life of devotion because devotion removes the duplicity. The more devoted we become, the less we begin to desire both this and that. You can come to a place in your life where the things of this world grow strangely dim in light of his glory, in light of who he is. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the less you desire the things of this life. The temporal give way to the eternal, and that is a spiritual discipleship track that we should all be on today. Every one of us growing in the things of God, every one of us pursuing after God, and thus we come to our Luke 6 text. Here we go, Luke chapter 6, verse 37. You've heard these words before, likely. Listen close. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, 
and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be what? Forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Verse 39, almost done, listen close. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Why will they not both fall into a pit? Now watch verse 40 close. This is key for us today. The student is not above their teacher. Who's talking here? Jesus is, right? The student is not above their teacher, but everyone who is fully trained, fully trained, that's discipleship, will be like their who? Teacher. Who are we endeavoring to look like in this temporal life? Jesus. That's our model, right? That's what we're looking toward. But everyone, I'm reaching again, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher or their master. Watch verse 41. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and not pay attention to the plank in your own eye? Why do you look at the speck in somebody else's eye and not look at the plank in your eye? You say, Marty, how does all of this relate to discipleship? Oh, trust me, it does. This is it right here. Have we ever found ourselves guilty of looking at somebody else's speck while ignoring a plank in our own eye? Keep reading the text, verse 42, just one more verse, listen close. It says, how can you say to your brother... Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye. Question mark. Next phrase, two simple words. You what? Hypocrite. It's a blunt term. First, everybody say first. First, take the plank out of your eye. In other words, deal with yourself. And then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. So once I have corrected my life, I am now positioned to help somebody else. So we're seeing this unfold together, and here is the picture that we're talking about in this fully devoted conversation. Listen close. Discipleship by nature is the studying of the words of Jesus and the ways of Jesus for the purpose of following Jesus. The reason we open up this book every week and the reason we teach in this service, in this service, in the small groups and in Bible studies around the church, the reason you should read the Bible on a regular basis is simply this, to be more like Christ. That's why we open the Bible. Now, having said that, being a follower of Christ is... An inward transformation, not just an outward imitation. You know, people can fake anything nowadays. Have you, have you ever noticed how good we are in technology of making things that don't exist look like they exist? I told this story multiple times. I had a buddy of mine years ago, a pastor friend of mine. He was on the beach with his family taking a picture. And, and he takes a picture. His family's got a shirt off, and he's got abs. And I text the guy. I said, dude, man, you look great. 
I said, you've been working hard. That's, that's quite the feat right there. I said, man, you look phenomenal. He sent you back this app called the Ab App. And all you do is put your picture in and it gives you abs. Now, there's a big difference in having the app and having the application. And our world today loves the idea of looking like the Christian life, but are we really living the Christian life? For some of us, our Christian life is an app on our phone, not an application in our life. Discipleship is obedience. Discipleship is doing what the Bible says to do. Folks, I don't make stuff up. I'm not just saying to, 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 uh, to do this, to worship, to give, to serve. That's not just me. I do that too. I do because the Word of God says to do that. And discipleship is a journey of willful submission. The goal for me as your pastor is not to drag you across the stage and make you follow God. The goal for me is to point the direction and you go running after him. That's the plan. That's what this is about. So we want to engage the Bible. We also want to realize this, that, that discipleship is a journey of denying ourself. It's, it's a journey of saying no to me. Saying no to me is not very fun because we all have desires and dreams and wants and so forth. But denying of our self-nature and our sinful nature is part of this journey. What about serving other people? The discipleship journey requires serving other people. And that's why I can't be a disciple in my prayer closet by myself. I have to engage serving you as part of my discipleship journey. What about this one real fast? What about this? What about sharing Christ? Sharing your faith, letting other people know the journey that you're on. Listen, everybody here is on a journey. Nobody here is an expert theologian. Nobody here has arrived. Nobody here, including me, looks like Jesus perfectly yet. But we are in process of becoming more Christ-like every day. And that's why we're in this together. And that's why somebody else's speck should not be a bigger deal than the plank in your own eye. What about this idea today? Discipleship transformation and so forth is about not just sharing Christ, but exercising your faith. If you don't exercise your faith, it goes into a state of atrophy. It begins to die off. If you don't utilize it, you begin to wear it down. Nothing will build up your faith like exercising your faith. What about this? Seeking after God. What about this? Building relationships with eternity in mind. I want to challenge you this year in 2022 to have somebody who you've drawn close to in a relationship for an eternal purpose. Somebody who you have leaned into to build a connection that you can begin to see their life grow closer to Jesus Christ. I would encourage everybody here today to make the commitment in the house and online to let this year be the year that everybody you know draws one step closer to God. Jesus establishes three basic attributes, if you would, of a disciple. And here they are, and we're going to break them down. Number one is acceptance. Number two, forgiveness. And number three, generosity. Here we go again. Acceptance. Everybody say acceptance. Come on, say acceptance. Come on, say forgiveness. And say generosity. Three things that we see in the life of Christ and we see in this text as what a disciple is going to look like. Acceptance, 
Forgiveness. Generosity. Not one of the three. You say, Marty, well, two out of three ain't bad. No, it might work for a song, but it's three out of three. It's acceptance, it's forgiveness, and it is generosity. Let's talk about acceptance. Now, let me clarify off the front end. Biblically speaking, biblically speaking, acceptance does not mean the same as modern-day tolerance. We have taken this word and we have stretched it to the ends of the earth to just take people and say, whatever you choose to do with your life is fine by me. Hear me today. God still judges sin. Now, you don't have to like that, but that is what the Bible tells us. Acceptance is not tolerance. Acceptance is not indifference to our sin. But what it is really is an awareness that by criticizing or condemning somebody else's faults, I actually make an allowance for my own sin in my own life. I don't stand as anyone's judge, nor do you. I don't stand in a position to condemn anybody, nor do you. But God's word judges all of us. God's word corrects all of us. And if we don't repent, God's word will deal with every one of us. I'm not the judge of man, nor are you. It's interesting how our world today embraces both acceptance as tolerance and judgmentalism as a form of self-righteousness. There's a story in the scripture in, the, in 2 Samuel, don't turn, just listen, and Nathan the prophet approaches the king. The king had taken somebody else's wife. David had taken Bathsheba. And he tells the king a story about a man who took another man's lamb. And he tells a, almost a child's Sunday school story, if you would, And he tells the story about this man that takes a poor man's lamb and he kills the man's lamb for his own benefit and he does this and this and the king is indignant. He is like, that is terrible. I cannot believe a guy would take a poor man's lamb. And the king is sitting here and he goes, that man should be punished. And Nathan goes, my king, you are that man because he took a man's wife. So watch this. He was going to judge somebody else for taking a lamb, but was indifferent to taking somebody else's wife. What does that say about our human nature? Our human nature can overlook the plank in our eye and focus on a speck in somebody else's eye. Our nature doesn't mind to judge somebody else while we cover up our own sinfulness. And that's why discipleship is a journey of hiding God's word in your heart that you might not sin against God. That's what this is talking about. That's the picture of a disciple. Acceptance is loving people as they are, but not judging people from our own perspective. I judge no man or woman, and neither do you. God judges every one of us. Do you realize that? How much different would this world be 
if we would stop judging other people's specks in their eyes and deal with the plank in our own eye. Listen, criticism and condemning other people omits mercy. And mercy is an attribute of God himself. God is merciful. How many of you today thank God that he's been merciful to you? Put your hand up high. How many thank God that you're not going to get what you deserve because the price his son Jesus paid for your sin? That is my hand. Who would like to have continued mercy in their life? Put your hand up high. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive what? Mercy. That's the journey of discipleship. If I'm judging you and condemning you, I'm not showing you mercy. And also watch this. This sets up the next part, which is the second step of discipleship, which is forgiveness. The forgiveness is built on the foundation of God's forgiveness toward us. How many thank God for mercy? Hand back up high. How many thank God for forgiveness? Other hand up high. Think of it this way. These all go together. Matthew chapter 6 says this. It says forgive Watch this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, notice the words here, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you don't forgive others their what? Sins or their missing of the mark, your Father will not forgive Tell them what they win, Bob. (laughs) Hear me, church. Christians should be the most forgiving people on the planet. You know why? Because a forgiven person is a forgiving person. A forgiven person is a forgiving person. This also takes away the potential for a Christian to be offended. Can we just talk about that for a second? We live in the age of offense. Everybody is offended. We wake up to be offended. Everything is an offense. We take up somebody else's offenses all the time. That is not biblical, by the way. And if we're going to be Christ's followers, hear me today. I'm going to make a case for this. If you disagree, fine. But it is not biblical for a Christian to live in offense. Now, something can hit me different. Something can hit me hard to the core that I have to address. Something can sour in my spirit, and I have to pray about that and forgive that and move beyond that. But from a biblical point of view, hear me today, you do not have the grounds to be offended and to live in that because of what Christ has done for you. If he has forgiven you, then you are the most forgiving person on the planet because forgiven people forgive people, even those who trespass against us. That is the call of the disciple of Christ. We are by nature forgivers. But how many people do you know who claim the Christian life that live offended? People that leave the church offended. I had this person one time years ago send me something on, 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 uh, on social media that it was interesting. I get sent lots of interesting stuff. 
as you can imagine. And they, they, they came back around with, oh, pastor, I hope that didn't offend you. I said, oh, no, first of all, you can't offend me. And here's why. Number one, number one, I can always listen to you, whether I agree or disagree. Number two, I will always love you because the Bible says I'm to love my fellow man. And number three, I can always learn from somebody. You can always learn. Therefore, church, hear me today, you cannot offend this guy. Can things hurt me? Absolutely. Can things hit hard in my spirit and grieve my heart? Absolutely. But to walk in an offense is something I cannot do as a Christ follower. Listen, Jesus took the offense of my sin and paid the price for on the cross of Christ. And because of him, I live in freedom. I live in victory. He has forgiven me. How much more should I be forgiving of you? No matter what you do, if I want God to forgive me, then I have got to forgive you. This all goes together. Being a disciple means you're an avid and an active forgiver. I can't wait to forgive somebody because he has forgiven me. But listen to me, we have to go beyond this to realize a disciple doesn't just accept, doesn't just forgive, but a disciple literally is one who understands the power of living their life with generosity. Before I hit that, let me go back to forgiveness one, just one more thing. But what forgiveness deeply is, is surrendering our pain to God, to the same God who took our pain and our shame upon a cross through his son, Jesus Christ, and saying, God, I'm going to trust you with this burden that I bear. I'm not going to live in bitterness I'm not going to live in unforgiveness. I'm not going to live in pain. I'm not going to live offended. I'm going to give it to him. You say, Marty, you don't know what they did to me. No, and I don't have to. I know what Jesus did for you and what he did for me, and that is where it all begins and ends. The price he paid for me transforms anything anybody else has ever done to me in my life. What about generosity? Last one, here we go. You all still here? Say yes. All right, generosity. Man, the Bible talks a lot about giving. Giving everything. Anytime a preacher mentions giving, folks begin to get a little bit nervous. Because you're convinced, based on what you see in the culture, that the only thing the church wants from you is your money. And what's interesting to me about that is this, the church is the only place on the planet I know that serves people the same, regardless of what they contribute. I've never had a person call and say, hey, we are sick in the hospital. Will you come pray for us? And then I call the business office and say, hey, do they tithe or not? I've never had a couple call and say, our marriage is in a wreck. Can you, can you help? And my response back was, are you current on your contribution? The church is the only place I know that serves people free will. I could go on and on, but the church is the place that says, whosoever will come, 
We'll serve you freely. Yet this place exists on people's free will, generosity. Think of that dynamic. Is there any place else on the earth that does that? No, the answer is no. Yet this is the place that people are convinced they just want your money. What do you think Costco wants? I'm just asking. What do you think your car dealership wants? You just do the math on this. So maybe this has been inverted because it brings with it a spiritual dynamic that the deception is greater than the truth in many of our minds. Now, at Calvary Church, we go way beyond money. I don't, it does not about that for us. Or we, we make that very low pressure. We ask you here to invest your time, your talent, your treasure, and your testimony. And I would suggest that those are all four equally the same in my mind because those are the marks of a disciple. Why do I give my time to the church? You say, Marty, uh, well, you're paid to be here, and that's why you give your time. Well, that is categorically true. Yes, I'm employed by the church. That's an actual statement, yes. But listen to me. Before I ever became an employee of the church, I was serving at the church. And what you don't know is there's stuff I do here for free and stuff you got to pay me to do. I preach for free. I love it. Sharing the Bible, teaching the Word of God all day long. We ask you to invest your, your talent, what God's gifted you with. That's a disciple. A disciple takes what God has given to them and invests. We ask you today to invest uh, your treasure, no doubt. We, we teach you that apology, tithes, and offerings. That's a biblical model. We, we support that. I live that way myself personally. I give my tithes. I give my offerings. Absolutely. I ask you to do what I do without apology. And we ask you to share your testimony. Don't let one of those become bigger than the other three because it all kind of goes together because it's the heart of a disciple. Remember this, a disciple looks just like their master. Why are we givers? Because Christ was a giver. He gave. And if he's my model, shouldn't I be giving too? You think about this and close it out. Put together this picture this year of a discipleship journey in which by the end of the year we can accept people better. We can forgive people better, and we can give better. Can you imagine a place where people accepted people? We'll deal with sin. We'll deal with that through the word of God, yes, but I'm not your personal judge, and you're not mine. Our world today has taken a whole new turn at judging somebody else. And folks, the church has got to correct that. What if we could be a place that accepts people and lets God's word deal with people? What if we could be a place that doesn't just accept people but forgives people? Forgiveness starts here. Forgiveness is the story of the Christian life. Forgiveness is what our faith is built upon. What if we could be a place of total forgiveness? Let God deal with people's sins. What if we could be a place of absolute generosity? See, those are the three marks of a disciple. It's my prayer for you this year as you become fully devoted to Christ 
that you'll see these three things begin to increase in your life. The good news is all of us are somewhere. The better news is all of us are going somewhere. And like you, I want to grow too.